Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 5, Episode 38. Taylor Marshall and I preview the boys' state meet happening on Friday. Let's hit it. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. All right. The greatest week in high school sports is upon us. Colin Altavoke, Taylor Marshall, we are going to bring you the boys' preview. Here's our plan. We're going to go event by event, give the top seed and the best performance all year. In some cases, that may be the same person and the same performance. In many cases, it will not be. Take a break. You can listen to a nice ad, and then we will talk about the team implications. And some of those will mix and match, right? Some of the team implications, for instance, in the four by one, that's part of the team race. 1600, part of the team race, so on and so forth uh are you ready i'm ready let's hit it it's track and field let's start with the field in the discus this will be one of the early events one of the first to kick off the top regional performance was seamus malaski a junior from crown point and our guy seamus threw he's not gonna be my guy friday though because i got a different guy that i hope wins yeah i hope uh, so Threw 179 feet even in the disc. Drew Franklin from Carmel, shout out, threw 188 feet and five inches. And that took place just one week before Seamus threw 179 feet. Seamus' 179 feet even is the fifth best performance. Drew Franklin, 188.5, is about three and a half feet uh, ahead of his closest competitor from the whole season. That was Garrett Messer a senior from center Grove. What do you think about the disc? Well, uh, as you mentioned, Franklin had been throwing the best going into the regional round and um, did enough to get out. No problems. I think he won his regional. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And so he's all set windy, there. Windy at the Lafayette regional. I don't know if it was windy at these other ones, um, but sometimes the wind, especially in the disc, can whether it's a tailwind or a headwind or whatever, the, the yeah, wind catch, can can make it, it kind of wonky. Um, we'll talk more, as you already mentioned, uh, after the break for team implications, but uh, there's a great chance that Carmel scores more in this event, uh, which will be important down the line. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how many of these guys throw pushing 170 on IU's ring. We know that uh, the makeup of the discus ring at Indiana University makes it a little slicker, and therefore guys don't typically throw as well or as far there. Um, but everybody's on the same, you know, uh, playing field, if you will. So it, it you know, in that case, it? do you think experience might matter? Maybe a little bit. Yes, at least at least mentally, right? I mean, it's already a brand new environment. You're the first event to kick off the whole thing. And you're out there and it's slicker than snot. And then you throw and you're like, man, I throw 170. That was like 140. Like, what am I doing today? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, things are a little bit different. So just hang in there and compete for your team and uh, know that everybody has to go out there on the same service. Unless you're not Drew Franklin, in which case just freak out after your first throw. Just panic. Yeah. Anybody who's not named Drew Franklin should freak out. Exactly. Shot put. Best regional performance, 62 feet, seven inches by Luke Himes, a junior from Heritage Christian. And he has this season thrown 67 feet, 10 inches, which I saw in the Indy Star is the farthest put all season. Do you think Luke Himes is a lock? 
I feel very confident about Luke Himes. I know Scott was very confident. About you feel he's lock. a lock. Yes, I do. Okay. I don't. I think Colin Wilson could maybe get in there. Colin Wilson is the top returner from last year. I think he was second last year at the state meet in the shot. Yeah. yeah. I think Himes Himes definitely has a bit of a buffer, but I could see uh I could see Wilson getting in there. Himes is more experienced now. He's been the state meet a couple of times. He's he's been the best thrower in the shot all year. Um he we saw we got to see him a couple of times indoors, you and I did. And mm -hmm. uh you think you were uh shagging, if you will, for him. Yes. And uh you had a back way, way, way up. And uh he's just an incredible yeah. athlete and he's got in a whole nother year. So I I you know, I think he's pretty darn good and I think he probably will win. Um I think he's the favorite. I think he's the favorite. I just, I don't think he's a lock. I think there are some events where we're going to have a lock and we'll get into those. I, I think he's as close as you can get without, without calling it a lock according to me. And what does that mean? Right. Don't respond to that. Um, very, very strong year in the shot. Three boys threw farther than 60 feet in the regional round. And that doesn't include Colin Wilson, who we talked about. And then on the season, six boys have thrown farther than 60 feet. I mean, there are a lot of boys in the 57, 58, 59 range, which in a typical year you're contending to win. And this yeah. is not that year. No, you won't. You have to throw a lot farther than that, man. If you're a shot player, you think, okay, Tucker Smith has graduated. Okay. We've, we've gotten through this long national nightmare of him dominating the shot. And then suddenly you've got to deal with Luke Himes. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a quite a few years in a row of, of the best thrower um, not in a row, I suppose, but the best thrower in the country, shot putter in the country being from Indiana, which is kind of yeah. cool. Very. Long jump. Justin Marshall, a senior from Merrillville, had the best leap in the regional round, and he really got a hold of one. 23 feet, nine and a quarter inch, uh, inches, I, sh I should say. And that is the best uh, jump of the season. Abram Stitt has jumped 23 feet, seven and a half of an inch. And he was 23, five at the regional. Uh, they're, they're in different regionals. And those were the two boys over 23 feet. Uh, there have been four on the year. Yeah. What so, is it about? Is it I use, is it I use pit maybe? Is it the faster surface or is it just the nature of the long jump? It seems like it's always kind of, I mean, every event's going to be, crazy right because it's the high level of competition the stress the we're dealing with 16 17 18 year old kids but like yeah. why is the long jump especially strange at the state meet i think the faster surface is a good guess in that uh, long jump is an event you want to run fast obviously the fastest kids are the best but you also need rhythm within that right so you need to get your steps down and if you are running much faster on the surface than you're used to all year, and that throws off your steps, and then you compound all of the other environmental factors, then it you could find yourself in a world of hurt. Um, this would be a good, you know, if I had a long jumper going to state, I would take her or him and down there on Thursday to practice and get a feel, especially if they were brand new, to get a feel for what that runway is like, because it is it is a faster surface and it is different. Um, so if you have that advantage, you know, go travel, go see what it's like. Pole vault, uh, best clearance this season, Cody Johnston of Hobart, 17 feet, six inches. He's two feet clear of the field. 
with that from the regional round, and he's just slightly over two feet clear of the field uh, for the whole season. Uh, we're hey, ready to I lock that one in. Yeah, I was going to say, can I call this one and call it a lock right now? Go ahead and just right. shift the metal to his house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's not fair. Let him, let him get at the meat. Well, he can get at the meat. I'm just saying it's a lock, man. He's got this down. Two feet. Two feet, Alto. Click. Click. One of my kids isn't even two feet tall. Well, almost. He's pretty tall for his age. Well, not the, the other one. one. The other one. <laughs> Actually, she is Caroline's Caroline's over two feet now, right? All right. Well, she's asleep. We're not going to go measure her. Uh, high jump. I don't think this is a lock, but this is an athlete that has really come on in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bodie Gilkerson of Plainfield cleared seven feet at the regional round. And then our guy, Jordan Randall from Warsaw, cleared six, nine. Nice. At the regional, uh, Bodie's best clearance seven feet and a quarter of an inch there must have been some sort of record attempt there i think i saw maybe the playing field record was seven feet and yeah. uh he went to seven feet and a quarter and actually i think the playing field school record holder is also maybe the high jump coach at playing field right now and the guy cool. was like hey let's not share the record like put a put a quarter inch on there like i i've had it for a while it's time for you to time for you to get yeah. it that's awesome uh, i don't i don't think that's a lock but i think he's likely to win He's got better than a 50% chance to win. I would put him over 50%, but I'm really intrigued by Jordan Randall as a freshman jumping 6'9", the number two seed coming into the state meet. That is just absolutely incredible. Um, and I'll be really excited to kind of watch the high jump from a distance uh, because it, it will it will have some level of team implications. It may not be as deep, but it is uh, an event that could decide or be one of the events that decides the outcome overall. So Gilkerson, the only one over seven feet, there are two boys that have cleared six ten, and then another two boys that have cleared six, nine, including, including Randall, who I think has done it um, multiple times this, this season, uh, even indoors. You want to go, do you want to go order? Do you want to go order that they're now let's not, that's, that's too complicated. Let's go performance list order. Go with the hundred. Let's go, go performance list order. You're right. Yeah. Because then they're all they're all right here, and I don't have to go back and forth. Uh, the hundred best regional performance: Josiah Rogers, Park Tudor, ten thirty. Taylor, ten thirty. Yeah, that's incredible. So, okay, we talked earlier in the year. Like, what are the events that we're looking forward to down the line? And shot put was absolutely one of them because of just the historic depth we've seen in the shot. But I don't. I didn't predict this, and correct me if I miss. Remember, I don't think you uh, predicted this, but the 100 just being so incredibly fast. This will be the fastest 100-meter oh, dash on the boys' be. side I will have witnessed in, in state meet history. And it may rival – we'll have to go back to the archives here, but it may rival the all-time best 100. I mean, we're going to watch multiple athletes run under 1050, which would – easily win most years right? i mean that is that is a solid solid win i mean we're talking you know florida texas california times where it is hot and and warm and you know you can go out there and, and train in the all weather year all year right all year yeah. but you you're in indiana where especially if you're in the northern half of the state there are a couple of guys from from that list here fort wayne mississippi like it's not easy to get outside and get the work in that you need and mm -hmm. not a lot of schools have indoor facilities. So 
1030 is just incredible. I think one of the things that helped you and I were at the Lafayette Jeff regional for the boys. That is a track that the surface is, I don't know if it's specifically set up for sprints, but it is definitely most advantageous for sprints. Yeah. And then on top of that, it was, it wasn't so much to be a negative on performance for uh, oval races, right? 400, 800, four by one, whatever. Yeah. But it, there was a tailwind and you could, those, those were seen in the performances. And I think in the hundred, the 200, uh, there were like six, seven boys that made it out. So there are 33 competitors in the hundred. So they're going to be four heats. And Ken uh, Browner, who's the head track coach at Carmel, actually predicted as we were watching it and we're, we're following along online to some of the other regionals. He was like, man, they may need five heats for this at the, at the state meet. And we don't um, on the nine lane track at IU, but it's, it's pretty close. We think Rogers is going to win, right? He's, I think two tens clear. Possibly. Yeah. That, but I, I think Calhoun could get in there. I think Elijah Jackson could get in there. Yeah. Um, this Tavion Clark from Fort Wayne, Wayne, I just, found out randomly his mom went to high school with me really like, like yeah so i you know you got facebook friends whatever she posted like it's not somebody that i know but i'm just friends from facebook from you know yeah, being yeah. high school college and she was like oh my you know so proud of my son for being the mvp for his track team um we went to snyder we didn't go to wayne but I was like, oh, I wonder how good this kid is if he's the MVP for Wayne. And I looked through the sectional results and I was like, oh, okay. It was like, you know, 1065 at the regional. Like, oh, this kid is legit. Yeah. Good for him. Great job, man. That's awesome. 200, uh, more of the same kind of. Um, I think this one will be more interesting. I, I think the 100 is not totally straightforward. Um and a lot of the hundred is is based on your start and things like that 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 could be off from meet to meet versus you know the thirty two hundred the four by eight that's that's a little more straightforward. Um, Brownsburg is seeded first and second. Dominic Calhoun of uh, Brownsburg. Well, now this is this seems odd here. Oh, I see what happened. Okay, so Dominic Calhoun twenty one forty three. He also has the top uh, performance on the season but it was 2135 and that was from the prelim round at the regional Got Josh it. Handy from Brownsburg 2155 uh and he ran that in the final but there were three athletes at the Lafayette Jeff Regional that ran faster in their preliminary heat yeah i mean that goes he, back to the uh weather conditions the competition the field wind uh, kind of died down later on as it <laughs> as it is wont to do right yeah, died down later on. And this is an event. So, so two things to kind of take away here, right? We got two juniors from the same school seated one and two in the event. Don't uh, I know it. Yeah, uh, uh, which again is in the team title race. And then the other part is that team title race. We got Brownsburg, we got Plainfield here, and we've got Warren, uh, a couple teams that will finish in the top end. Um, and by the way, Brownsburg has two, Plainfield has two, I know Nawash Campbell is is seated ninth, but I think he's better than than that here. You want do you want to call a winner on this? You want to go out on the limb? Oh gosh, do you think it's I, Calhoun? I think it's probably Calhoun after watching him. But Rogers has so much speed that like I I don't. It's hard to bet against a guy who's ten thirty in the hundred. Like that translates. That's 
you know, he could, he could very well get it done. So I, I think I would pick Nair Nuwash Campbell if it wasn't for this, which is he is, he could break the state meet record in the 400. Yeah. He has the state record in the 400. And after he ran that in the sectional, he clearly kind of cruised through the 200 and the four by four at the sectional. And obviously won't be able to do that. And I think he ran a little more controlled at the regional in the 400, but he's going to be, he's going to be pushed in the 400. He's not going to be like, it's not a typical year where like, Hey, this guy can run 46, seven or 46, six or whatever he's done. But second place is going to be 48, two 48, five. So he doesn't have to run as hard. He's going to need to run hard because there's a lot of good guys in the 400. Great segue. That's why they brought me here. Paul Pierce. 400, Nair Nuwash Campbell, top seed, 47-53 in the regional round. But this season, he's run 46-67. Yeah. Is he a lock? He's not a lock for the reasons you described, but he is the heavy favorite. I mean, I could easily see, you know, Nickens Limba from Southport challenging him. I think that's probably his main competitor, to be honest. I know that Limba is seated fourth coming in, but... I think he is the guy who could bring down Nuwash Campbell. Um, I he would. I think Riley Buroff could win from Cherubusco. I don't. Okay. The, feel free to play this in the Zionsville team meeting. I, I don't. I don't know that Cameron Mullins is going to be um, in a lot of different events and stuff. I don't know that he's a threat to win. I think he could finish second or third. Uh, but I I could see Riley Buroff with a with a shocking race and winning. Something crazy at the state meet is going to happen. This could be an event that that happens. Yeah. Two guys who you think are at the top of the game and then someone who we don't talk about much outside of your mention here uh, could slide in. And... 800. Uh, nothing crazy is going to happen in the 800 because we have no idea what's going to happen. So it could be anything. It will uh, all Caleb, be Caleb Winders, a freshman from Bloomington North at 153.49, has the top seed coming in and he won his regional by a, a pretty wide margin. Cole Matisson of Carmel shout out has the top performance on the year. And uh, after much pondering, he is not in this event at the state meet. He ran 150 uh, 80 Martin Barco, marvelous Martin Barco, the fourth from Martinsville has the second best performance. He will be in this event. However, Taylor, he won't be in the fast heat. Yeah. So just, just hit me with it. What is going to happen in this event? Oh, God, I wish I knew. It is going to be a total cluster. Um, You know, here's the thing. You mentioned a couple guys here who will come double back from either a 4 by 8 or a 1,600 effort earlier in the day. So we have to think about what yes. kind of doubling they can do especially so with let, me, let me jump in on that by my count the top four seeds winders ryan handy from zionsville matthew kim from fishers and charging charlie ledke shout out from carmel will all be on their teams four by eight and what's more i think those are the four main contenders for the four by eight title. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, we'll just throw you on the anchor and see what, like, though it, it will be an expectation for those guys, whether they're the anchor or not, that like they're going to be pressed pretty hard. And I think those teams at, at the state meet are going to be relatively close in the four by eight. And that's a good way to 
go over it because I we may get cut short and not be able to talk about the core bite all that much. So does that in your mind favor someone like Griffin Wheeler from Greenfield Central or Nate Colleen from North Central who they don't have teams like these are the next I, those, those would those would be yeah. two guys to look at. Griffin yeah. Wheeler, Nate Colleen, Jared I mean, Weinel from Jasper, Tristan Trevino, I think my if I had to pick somebody, I think I might pick Trevino. He's not going to be on the four by eight. Their four by four is really good. He's going to be jazzed up for it. I think he is one of two returners, uh, returning medalists this yeah. season that will be in this race. Um, you you know, and, I'm and we can't discount Barco Mendez from Columbus North. If you know, if the fast heat goes out in 58, I don't I don't think it will. I, strangely enough, I don't think Winders would allow that to happen. But if that were to happen, I could see somebody in the in the first heat just hey, someone takes it out in fifty three, and we just go, and someone runs one fifty three high in that one. And if you go out in fifty eight or fifty nine in the uh, fast heat, like that's it. Yeah, tell me about it. I've there was a guy. Yeah, there was a guy that I think I said something about earlier, and I was like, man, I just feel like he could be up there at the state meet. Nick Cook, a junior from Wapahani, he's in the fast heat. Yeah. he's in the fast team 1600 top seed marvelous martin barco the fourth for a junior from martinsville he's run 408.75 at the regional round and he won that race by 10 or 11 seconds will conway a junior from floyd central uh has the top performance this season that came at the sectional at his home school floyd central uh, but he scratched out of it at the regional, which was surprising. We can talk about that maybe in the 3,200. Sure. Um, it seems like things have scattered a little bit in the 1,600. Barco's in it. Cole Matisse and shout out is in it. Um, Aiden Lord or Aaron Lord rather from New Albany has run 407. So he has the third best performance this season. The second best performance of boys in this race. Yeah. Do you think this comes down to Cole and, and Barco? Do you think someone yes. else could get into it? No, it's a two horse race because here's the thing. Uh, Barco will be coming in fresh and ready and having beaten Paul Matison at the miracle mile earlier in this year. And uh, Matison may or may not run on his four by eight, but he's going to have a busy he's day. He's running the, he's run the four by eight. Okay, good. You said it. Cole Matisse won't be on the four by eight. Then he will show up at the line for the 1600 and have to run hard and have a 3,200 left. I think it is the two of those guys um, in whatever order. I honestly think it could go one way or the other. And we did see that at Franklin central. Um, so I, I think it's a two horse race. And then I think it's a race for third after that. So it could, it could be Cameron Todd, but it could also be, you know, Baker whose team is in the, the, you know, total you know the, the team title mix does he deliver again and, and have a nice pr and show up there are a couple of buff boys that we talk about a lot who are up there in both todd and burrell like it it could be you know very exciting for third but i think one and two are barco and matisse in some order maybe matisse and barco who knows the lord twins will be in it aaron has run 407 aiden has run 414 they ran 431 at their regional, obviously running just to qualify. Uh, once Conway uh, didn't run it, I don't even think he scratched. I think he just dropped out and, and ran the 3200. So let's get into the 3200. 
and Josh Horowitz and I are going to do a uh, distance specific podcast after this. So we'll get more into those events. Um, well, we're recording tomorrow. I don't know when, when we'll publish it. Will Conway from Floyd Central top seed 857 in the regional round. Cole Matisson from Carmel, shout out. 856 is the top time this year. Uh, Carmel has two of the top three seeds coming into this and um, two of the top four times this season. There are six boys that have broken nine minutes this season. Uh, five of them will be in this race. Barco will not be. Barco is doing the 1600 and the 800. Yeah. So this is one of the more, I mean, the 800 is intriguing for other reasons, but this is a somewhat intriguing distance event for me in that um, Conway obviously has decided to go all in here and he has a better seed time uh, at the regional round than the cross country state champion and the individual runner up, right? And both Matisse and Provenzano. So um, he must feel that given the, whether the workload on Matisse and or Provenzano on the day, that if he shows up fresh and ready to go, that he could be the guy to come away with the 3,200 title. And I think that is also a very exciting preview for something we'll get to in a few months. And this Conway Provenzano battle at the, for cross country, because it seems as if those two are the best two right now. Uh, plus, plus Cameron Todd. Plus Cameron Todd. But I mean, Todd still... was sixth at Foot Locker. He's the number one returner. Yeah. For Foot Locker. Yeah, he's, he's great. I don't think his season, this track season or last fall was totally indicative of all the things he can do, but mm -hmm. he's maybe a little bit behind Conway and Provenzano, but you know, Conway also missed a considerable amount of time this fall. And this could be kind of a, Hey, you guys may have forgot about me, but here I am. I mean, we, we did see a lot of great performances from him this winter. Do you think it comes down to, do you think it comes down to Conway and Cole? Do you think it comes down to Conway, Cole and, and Tony? We're obviously we're on a first name basis with these kids from Carmel. Uh, do you see somebody else getting into it? Is is this a race that could be something crazy happens? You know, is this a is there a Jacob Fisher hiding out somewhere? Hmm. I hope so. Um, I I think it's mostly those three. I mean, like here's the thing: Quagley Roly. You know, he's probably on their four by eight earlier in the day. He's so. definitely going to run on the. He ran on their four by eight at the sectional and the regional. Yeah. From what I'm hearing, he's definitely going to run. Now, I, I think I'd said earlier, it's so hard to double at the state meet. Yeah. And he had run, oh gosh, I think he ran nine oh nine. I think he set the Fisher School record and ran nine oh nine at the Carmel Showcase. And I had been kind of skeptical, like he's so good. He's such a good sophomore. Yeah, but it's so hard to double. But then seeing him at the sectional and the regional run, you know, a 157, 158 leg and then come back. And in the in both of those races, the sectional and the regional, he was pushing it early. Yeah. And and Cole and Tony were hanging off of him. I. I think he's he's got a very, very good chance to medal. Yeah. I think I was I was skeptical earlier on about it, and I am not anymore. I think I think he's got a very very good chance to medal. He's he's real. He's not a typical sophomore at all. Um, and I know in the in the cross country season, I you know he was in the top twenty, but he was not at the level of of say Tony 
or uh, Cameron Todd, those guys. And I think he's getting kind of close to that right now. Yeah. The other the other name I'm I'm somewhat interested in is, is Aaron Lord, but I, I also know he's going to run the 1600 earlier in the day. So I think that's going to be a really tough double. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And more like the 3200, I think is is three hours. Yeah, three and a half hours. Which 1600 to 3200 is like 75 minutes. In fact, right. I've I've got it, I I've got it pulled up here. I'm not not too yeah 75. Minutes. And obviously so, in the 1600, he did enough to advance. Like let's just do enough to get out, and then I'm going to run hard in the 32. But he, you know, I I don't think he'll do. He won't be able to do that in the. Yeah, and he's just not going to turn out four laps and be like, okay, well, I'll just see you guys in, in 75 more minutes. Like, that's, you know, that's just not going to happen. Kyle Clark, Ryan Ream, what do they need? You know, again, those are four by eight contenders, but certainly in Bloomington North, right? Like, you know, they probably need Kyle Clark on that. So what is he going to end up doing? So I, I, I'm i seeing a three-way race at the top between Conway, Matisse, and Provenzano. And um, we'll which see in that. some ways is kind of a two way race when two of them are on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, who, who knows? Uh, 110 hurdles. We got to, yeah, we got eight minutes. So we got to move here. Yep. 110 hurdles. Jake Ottersbach of Charlestown, 14 12 in the regional round. And that is the top performance. Um, and then it's kind of a blanket after that 1431, 1433, 1436, 1443, 1446, 1447, 1448. And that's the top eight. So I think that was a huge race and a huge PR for Ottersbach. I, I don't know that, I, that I'm willing to call him a favorite or even a lock. I think this one's pretty open. I think it's open, and I wouldn't sleep on two, two guys here. Tyler Tarter, you like to call him the sauce. The sauce. Yeah, and he, he's, he's going to be ready. And then um, Adam Quist from Carmel because uh-huh. – he has uh, won their team title locations, but what we'll get to here in a minute, he has really turned it on the past few weeks and has been far better. So if he, he is on this upward trend, so if that continues, then who's to say he can't get himself in there? Because as you said, it, it's gonna lot, it's a lot tighter than it looks. I hope you're right. 300 meter hurdles, uh, top seed and best performance all season. You already know it's the sauce. Tyler Charter, a junior from Fishers, 37.49, and I'm actually calling it. You ready? Yeah. Click. Yeah. It's a lot. I agree. It's just his, this is his race. He will get it done regardless of what happens in the 110s, but it is Tyler Tarter, a.k.a. the sauce. And Tarter gonna... makes Tarter makes Fishers. We'll get into this after the break here in uh, seven minutes. Well, we're going to take a longer break, whatever. Um, Tarter makes Fishers a fringe contender. Because he gives them two hurdles races and he gives them a, a four by four leg and they're a contender in the four by four. Absolutely. They always are. Four by one. This would be quick. Brownsburg 40, 88 state record. Uh, they're almost a second clear of the field. Brownsburg, if they if they wanted to, could just turn around and do uh, California exchanges or I guess California exchanges. How well we should ask them if they'll, if they'll do instead they of line turn, turn yeah, around yeah. and grab it. Let's make it a little bit more, you know, competitive, a little bit more interesting. Hey, Brownsburg, will you just turn around and just look at the baton instead of like blind handoffs? I mean, think they're up that. It would make it would make the race closer, but they would still win, and it would um, it would be sure that they didn't drop it because either way, they're getting ten on that one. We're we're calling that a lock, right? Yeah. Okay. Four by four hundred. We're we're on a good pace here. I think we caught up. 
Uh, Plainfield's 318-19 is the leader on the season, and they accomplished that at the regional round. And uh, most of the other top times for the year were also from the regional. Mount Vernon, 319. Brownsburg, 319. Center Grove ran 320 at the sectional. And they ran 320 at the regional also. I mean, it's a difference of a couple tenths of a second. Carmel, 320. Uh, if we're looking at a close meet, uh, could come down to this because the four main contenders all have teams in the fast heat. Yeah. Plainfield's got fun. the top two of the top four or five boys in the 200, and they have the best 400 runner of all time. I'm not going to call it a lock because that is a heavy workload on those two boys at a minimum. Um, so, so maybe Mount Vernon could get in there. Maybe Brownsburg could get in there. Uh, but it's going to be tough to beat Plainfield. They're about a second and a half clear of the field. It's going to be tough to beat, uh, beat Plainfield. They also have a guy listed here who is one of the best hurdlers in the state who um, has missed a significant portion of the season, but is starting to come back a little bit here. So if he's healthy enough and is running, I don't know. I have no inside info, but maybe he'll run. Maybe that's a little added boost that they need. Um, here, here's a team that I want to mention real quick because we won't talk a lot about them um, after the break, just a little bit, but Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon is a team that has very sort of quietly had an a incredible season and by incredible, I mean top 10 to pushing top five at the state meet. And um, it's not a particularly big school, but they are the sort of a plain field or Brownsburg of the yeah. East because they're in mm -hmm. that county in Hancock County and they are continuing to grow and improve and they've got some balance here. So I wanted to make sure I gave a shout out to Mount Vernon after the past few weeks here in the tournament. I think Mount Vernon is an interesting case study in the shifting demographics of the state and, and where people are going to live. And then it used to be that the main powers were, and, and still are to an extent, North Central, Carmel, Fishers, Hamilton Southeastern. But now as we're getting to where you don't necessarily have to live within driving distance of downtown to have a really high paying job yeah, and double income households and things like that, where people can move to farther out. I, I wonder if, you know, Brownsburg is in, and Avon have kind of created themselves Zionsville into these kind of power schools and Westfield is going to grow huge over the next 10 years. If one of those school districts soon to be after that is Mount Vernon and it kind of grows out from there and the population and the school enrollment kind of evens out in some of these places. Yeah. Four by eight, uh, two and a half minutes. Oh boy. And, and no, we don't have to go, you know, we don't have to go full, fully into this because Josh and I are going to do that podcast. Uh, top seed Bloomington North 743. That's the best time this year. Zionsville and Fishers ran 746 at the regional round. Carmel shout out ran 750, but ran 748 indoors. Uh, Columbus North 751, and then Franklin Central uh, ran 752 uh, outdoors, 749 indoors, but just 759. And if they go 14 in the fast heat, uh, Franklin Central is actually the uh, the last team into the fast seat. If they go 15, Elkhart would get into the fast seat. There are 29 teams because the standard is uh, pretty manageable this year. We'll just put it that way. Two minutes. What do you think? Four by eight. Let me ask you this question. Lawrence Central's four by eight state record. 
Does it survive or not? I think it survives the state meet. I think the national meet may be another story. I yeah. do think multiple teams will break 740. I, I would agree with that. I think we're going to be. The question it. to me is Columbus North 737, which they were they were uh, very adamant about taking a shot at last year. Very yeah. proud of that and should be. Uh, does it only survive one year? I, I think I think that's possible. I think the winner will be somewhere between 739 and 737. I think Columbus North's uh, state meet record survives. But, you know, the question is who's got who's got two boys that can run 152 or 153 Bloomington North does Zionsville does uh Fishers I don't know that they do but Fishers depth is very good Carmel yep. does Columbus North I'm not sure they have it Franklin Central does and then obviously it's an aggregate of all of that so yeah. Uh, yeah. that'll be interesting it will be yeah all right and there's team title implications in that Fishers Carmel uh Plainfield's even there and Brownsburg. um Brownsburg yeah. And we'll get to that after the break. Three Rivers Running Company is proud to bring you the Appleseeds Youth Running Program. Our summer running program is a welcoming environment for kids going into kindergarten through eighth grade to engage in the sport of running. Join us this summer at Shove Park on Monday and Wednesday evenings. Our practices are a mix of education, running, and games. Head over to runsignup.com to sign up today. Reach out to Lynn at threeriversrunning.com with any questions. That's L-Y-N-N at the number three riversrunning.com. And we're back. Okay, we went event by event, but how does that all add up? What does it mean? Why are we here? And these are the questions that Taylor Marshall, my good friend, is going to answer for us right now. Taylor, you've crunched the numbers. You've done the math, and you're going to tell us what could happen at the state meet on Friday in Bloomington. This is one of many different scenarios that could play out, yes. So um, those are a lot of existential uh, crisis-type questions that you asked me. But um, uh, I went through the uh, regional performance list and uh, created a uh, mock meet, a projected score for each, like as if we've done the past several weeks here. Let me ask and you something. Yes, thank you. And we've talked about this in the past, but sometimes new audiences cycle in and out. Which um, we love of, of our yes, of our many listeners. Follow, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We want to we we appreciate you cycling in. Please don't cycle out. Yeah, Once yeah. you're in, you got to stay in. You're in Hotel California, baby. There's no leaving <laughs> here. Don't say California; it's too political. Um, spit out your drink. There was almost a spit take, yes. Ooh, we're just getting started. What do you, so there are a mock state meet based on regional performance, which we're going to go over, and yes. a mock state meet based on the season with runners that won't compete at the state meet extracted. What do you put more stock in? I like how you're running right now. Okay. I, I think agree. how you're running right now is more important and more indicative of what will happen in, you know, another, you know, what were we at 10 days or, or less, you know, sir, sorry, like se six. seven, six or seven days. Six days from today, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's way more important um, because, you know, you, you could have had a great day back in, uh, in April, but that ain't, that's not enough for first weekend of June. Yep. So what do you got? Uh, so let's go with the 
let's say this, right? I went through and scored the top 10. We're not going to go through all 10, but I just, I just want to make note that six through 10 is pretty close uh, to fifth. And that a couple of those teams, I'm just going to name them from sixth, sixth in the projection down to 10. Mm-hmm. A couple of them have opportunities to sneak up a little bit higher and there is an opening for a possible runner up finish. So uh, sixth center Grove with 26 points. Bloomington. North, yeah. Bloomington North with 26 points. You a big fan of Bloomington North. I love Cougars, man. I heart Cougars. I'm still, I'm cheering for them. Uh, waiting on that shirt, right? That shirt. I've, I've got a surprise because, for you. Huh? I've a shirt. Oh coming. my God. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm genuinely so pumped about that. All right. 26. This is, this is actually, you and I talk a lot, a lot. We work the same job. We are very good friends. I haven't told yeah. you this until now. This is a surprise for the podcast, but I have this been contacted great. by someone that made you a shirt. Check the mail. I will absolutely wear this. I am so excited. Okay. Um, Center Grove, Bloomington North, and Dinesville all tied with 26 points. And all three of those schools have some, what you and I have called the past few weeks as our semester of teaching has ended uh, extra credit opportunities, right? So they've got an individual or a relay right outside of scoring uh, distance, right? Where they're not projected to score, but very well could. And those three teams are right there. Warren would be, I guess that would be ninth then. Uh, with 24 points and they also have a little bit extra credit and then North Central back at 10th with 20 and one half points and they don't really have a lot of extra credit but they have an opportunity for like Christian Woodson to perform a little bit better and he's in two sprint events Caden Edwards has been up and down in the shot put but is uh, seated second and if he delivers there that would be great and then you know where my heart is on this one nasty Nate I, clean I really think and obviously, I mean, we both like Nate, and and you were at times his coach at high school when you taught at North Central. I really think Nate could win the Open Eight. He could. I, mean, I think if he runs a smart race, I, I think it could be kind of random. And a lot of those guys that have run faster than him, you know, Charlie or Caleb Winders or whatever, are going to be coming off four-byte duty. And yeah. that's the emotions of that, whether your team wins or finishes fourth. I mean, that is, that is tough, and it could be 90-some degrees. I, I think he could win. He could. So don't discount nasty Nate. So those are, again, they're not really title contenders, but they could in some crazy scenario, walk away with a runner up finish or certainly be well within the top five. So I wanted to make sure they got some props here tonight. Let's start with the fifth place team in my projection here. I'm seated to score in the regional uh, performance list or, you know, the performance list uh, based off the regional uh, Mount Vernon, 27 points, right? So Mount Vernon, I, I was able to mention them before the break. Uh, they're a team that we didn't really talk a lot about earlier in the season, but Mount Vernon right now is seeded to score two in the four, two in the eight, eight in the one tens. That two in the eight could be 10. We talked about that before the break. Right. Uh, eight, eight in the 300 hurdles and seven in the four by four. So um, they, they have opportunity for bigger points they also have a, a second guy in the 110s who is right outside of scoring range who could sneak in there so if if that were to happen and you get uh Trevino to score higher in the 100 then again they're not they're not title contenders I'm not saying that but they they could maybe make a run at runner up which would be fantastic for a you know a, a smaller school that isn't um like no offense but they're not a power they have like 2000 students in that school though right 
Yeah, yeah. They, but I like mean, it's it's small compared to Carmel or Fishers, but or yeah. Brownsburg. But they're growing, but they're not one that we, I guess, talk about yeah. often. But they are one that we probably will talk more about. So that's Mount Vernon. I I think I really do. I think the not, not that anybody um, list you know listens to this podcast for our uh, sociological uh, input, but I, I do think the shifting demographics and the and the work the work from home and just the changing nature of work. I think that Mount Vernon is one of those schools that is is primed to capitalize on that across all their sports. Yeah. So we shall see about the Marauders coming up here. Uh, the fourth That's a cool nickname. It's cool. It's no Greyhounds, but it's pretty cool. It's up there. Um, the the Panthers. And our project. Oh my God. There's so many of those. The fourth team in our projection. Um, is a Panther even a real animal? Like Kathleen's not going to listen to this. If she heard it, she'd laugh at me because I don't know much about animals. Is, it, is is there actually a Panther? Is that an actual thing? I think it is. Yeah. I okay. Think oh, we're two city kids. You don't know either. I don't know. Today, I, if, I tell you what, if something walked down my street that looked like a panther and I thought it could be a panther, I'm getting myself inside. I'm not going to. This is this is what we get the best feedback on, by the way. Not like talking about the kids. Everybody's like, I like the friendly panther. We were driving. We were driving back today from her parents' house. It was her grandpa's 96th birthday. We're driving back and Solomon, who had gone down there earlier, her parents picked him up to like spend some more time with him in the morning. Right. So Solomon said something about a horse. And I was like, oh, we saw horses this morning when we were driving down. And Kathleen was like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And off of that field, she was like, those were cows. Oh, they my. weren't horses, they were cows. I mean, I was driving. I didn't really see or whatever, but I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you're right. I think they were cows. Wait, so you're telling me that as you're driving, you can't casually glance over and notice the difference between a horse and a cow? You just think every four-legged creature is is a horse? Like, what are you, like a three-year-old? Like, oh, a doggy. Like, no, no, that's okay. not a doggy, honey. That's a, that's a cow. Okay, all right, all right. I'm worse than a three-year-old because my three-year-old definitely knows the difference and called me out on it. Did you, do you, have you bought him the book where like the animal sounds like you click the thing and it was, Oh, oh my dude, there's when a horse goes, nay, like, does he have that? Yeah, I do. There's dude, there, there, there actually might be, no, I shouldn't say there might be, there are well more than a thousand books in this house. So, so yeah, the, there's I, that, those are around the next time that I get to talk to Solomon here, uh, probably tomorrow I'll FaceTime him. Um, I'm going to tell him, Hey, listen, grab your book, go teach daddy the different animals because he doesn't know them and he needs to needs to know that for the podcast and he's on my side because he did pick me to win this state meet like he he is yeah. a buddy he, well he, you know what let's get through these teams and let's see where you let's see where you stack yeah. up based on regional I, performance i tell you what it, it ain't very high um plain field the the projected oh sorry fishers was 38 we didn't really get to talk about it. i did mention them as fourth but fishers um no real extra credit there fishers was going to need um some points here seven in the 800 uh six in the 3200 three in the 110s which i think could be a little bit more that could be, that could uh, be 10 that could yeah. be 10 i think so it if we're looking be- for extra credit they're not outside of scoring in that event but he's looked really really good all year yeah. and then it's just gotten beat by kind of an emerging runner the last two weeks yeah he could turn that around at the state meeting it could be 10 right so uh tyler tartar a- aka the sauce the sauce three in the one tenths three sorry 10 in the 300s there we go 10 in the 300s click um 
Yeah, lock that down. Uh, four in the four by four, seven in the four by eight, and then a point in long jump as well. So that's 38 altogether. Like you said, there's no one outside of that projected scoring total for the Tigers, but, um, you know, Tartar could move up or, you know, maybe Kim does win the 800. So like there, there are some opportunities there. Quagley Rowley, what does he look like after, you know, coming back off the relay? And and how does that translate to uh, Conway, Matisse, and Provenzano, whatever. So, so um, Kim, anyway, Kim yeah. ran the fastest split. He's really had a good season. I know Quagley Rowley's had a great season as well. Kim has had a good season. I mean, he's gone from a guy that was like last year, maybe a 157, 158. Um, you remember this, there's a Carmel JV invite that last year was the perfect weather. And yeah. I think like second through seventh were all of our guys, right? And we want to see how they stacked up and they all ran 201 or 202. And we kind of picked two guys from that to run in the state meet and at the state meet, they ran 158 or 159. Kim won that race in 159. He's the only guy to break two minutes in that race. And I think he went on to run maybe 158 at the state meet. So he's turned himself, I mean, if you want to talk about most improved, like he might be the most improved guy in the state to go from 158 as a sophomore to 152 now as a as a junior. And he he could win the the open 800. He also he may not score at all. Right. If he goes all out trying to win the four by eight. Uh, but also, you know, maybe things get separate and they end up settling for third or fourth um, and he can kind of control that a little bit. Yeah, but he ran the fastest split at the Lafayette Jeff Regional. He was one fifty two nine and came up just short at the finish of of tracking down Zionsville, less than a tenth of a second. But he was by far the fastest split there in a race that included Cole Matisse. Yeah, so we won't discount him at all. Um, Plainfield projected uh, your third place finisher, the state champions from last year. Uh, 43 points here, right? Plainfield getting points, eight in the 200. Do you feel uh, like Plainfield could win? I feel like Plainfield is is just shy of winning. I think they've had a couple injuries that are unfortunate for them that have kind of put them possibly out of winning, but could maybe get to second if someone else ahead of them slipped up. But, I mean, you've got Nuwash uh, Campbell, eight, eight, in the two, well, that's actually uh, two guys right there. Larison Lair is the eight and the two hundred, right? In the two hundred, uh, yes. And but Campbell is uh, not far off. Uh, well, no, Campbell is actually getting one right there, and Larison's getting seven. So okay, okay, that's how the eight come together. So it could it could be a little bit more. Yes, uh, obviously, Nuwash Campbell ten in the four hundred, and I like you talked about before the break. He could win, but he could also be second. But I, it seems unlikely he would. Stick. I think he's. I think he's going to win. I think he would too. But I, I could see a scenario where Limbo beats him. But it doesn't matter because it's you know he's. I, I thought Limbo would win. I thought Limbo would win last year, and I was wrong. Yeah. So maybe it is Campbell's here and Wash Campbell. Uh, four, uh, four in the four by one, ten in the four by four, ten in the high jump. And one point here in discus for 43 altogether. That one could be 10. The one in the discus could be 10. It could be 10. It could be 10. And it's they, more likely to be six, five, or four, but it, it could be 10. It could yeah. be nothing, but nothing also in this in this case only costs them one point. Right. There's not there's not a big loss right there. Opportunity. I think I think Plainfield could win. 
obviously the injury, the availability issues, and it's really for kind of one kid that scored high in his two events last year that, yeah. that really takes a bite out of their um, potential. Yeah. I think they could win, but they're at the mercy of, of the other top two schools really not doing well. If both schools were to trip up, which could happen. I mean, again, we're talking about 17 or 18 year old kids. Yeah. And on a 90 degree day, there could be a lot of slippage and you win with stars. You don't necessarily win with depth, but one of these schools has stars and depth and the other one has stars and Plainfield definitely has the stars to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should say star. Plainfield has a star. I mean, Bodie Gilkerson could win his event. He's a star, but he's kind of limited to just that one event. Whereas some of these other schools have stars where they're going to score in multiple events, a relay and an open event or two open events and two relays. Yeah. Um, By the way, Plainfield, in terms of extra credit, could get something out of the four by eight, right? So their four by eight is right outside of the projected scoring list, but they, I believe are uh seated uh to be in the fast heat more than likely there's 12 yes, they'll be in the fast heat fast heat so it it could happen that they would score a little bit of extra credit right there and then yeah if, if things work if out they, if they do though we're they're, they're not going to finish in the top four no right? but they, they might run seven they're in 758 yeah might they run 754 and finish eighth or ninth they might they might they might but i don't know that they've got a sub to make i don't know that they've got the upside that some of these other schools do you know columbus north 751 and and they're probably looking at fourth or fifth with you know with their lineup but they ran 751 and they won by eight seconds might that 751 turn into 744 pretty quickly yeah it might you know the, the 750 you take out one kid, you put in another one of the state's best 800 kids, and that 750 turns into a 740, things like that. I think Plainfield may get one or two, but they're not looking at some sort of like moving up, like a kid that's just outside in the 110s but could finish third. They don't have that necessarily. Yeah. But I, I, I think they are a legitimate threat to win if the top two schools don't necessarily perform well. Speaking of those top two schools. Yeah. Uh, projected runner up with 54 points, the Carmel Greyhounds. Uh, shout, out. shout out. Carmel has come on a little bit stronger the past two weeks. Uh, thanks to great performances by an individual 800 runner, but also their hurdler. Um, who has found himself in the scoring position for both the 110s and the 300s. Um, so that would equal six in the 800, eight in the 1600, 15 in the 3200, five in the 110s, three in the 300s, five in the four by four, and uh, sorry, six in the four by eight, and then six again in the discus. So a couple things about the hounds here. Um, no one legitimately outside of scoring position would probably score for Carmel. But as you already kind of mentioned, 
you could see like Drew Franklin, the discus, he had been sort of one of the best discus throwers all year. He's not the top seed going in. Could he score 10 points? I think that could very legitimately happen. Um, so he could add a couple more points to their total right there. Uh, 15 points and a 3,200. Again, Matisse and Provenzano won two this past fall across country. Conway is sort of this sort of, uh, you know, wrench in the plan, but could he, uh, you know, could they still go one, two? Yes, that would help. Uh, Quist is a little bit of, uh, again, it's weird to say bonus, but he was a guy who wasn't projected to score up until maybe last week at the regional round, a little bit of something. And then he's really come on strong since then. So if he continues with upward trend, that is extra points for, for Carmel right there. Uh, but Carmel is one of two teams, and the other one we'll talk about here in just a second, um, that shares the wealth the most in that they have uh, scores in eight of the 16 events. So that is a tie for the best eight of the 16 events represented in scoring for Carmel Greyhounds. Any comments from you, Mr. Altavote? Um. What, what do you you want comments as is one of the coaches at Carmel? Do you want comments as the I want whatever podcast host as an analyst? Anything you're willing to say? Okay, so I'll say I'll say this. Let's do both. I'll say this as the the analyst of the podcast, which is it seems to me that the number one team is Brownsburg, and that Brownsburg kind of controls their own destiny. And we'll get into what Brownsburg's got and the potential extra credit and all of that. Yeah. And so if Brownsburg does really, really well in all of their events, they're probably going to win based on the number of kids they have in the state meet, the number of events and so on and so forth. Okay. So as a coach at Carmel, this is my 12th season at Carmel, my 12th year teaching in the district and then, and then coaching the track team. And in all of those years, I have been the the distance coach that came up with the training plans and so on and so forth. And so, and I think this is important to an extent because people listen to the podcast for different reasons, but I think part of it is that some coaches like to listen to the podcast and hear what coaches think, and they can hear two coaches talk through some of this stuff. The number one thing that I've told some of our guys, and again, I coach just the distance runners. So we have a four by eight, we have a guy in the 1600, a guy in the 800, two boys in the 3200, and one of our distance runners will probably run on the four by four. And I've told them over the last couple of weeks, because they want to know what, what do the mock meets look like? How are we scoring? And I've told them it's pretty close. Um, and they, they asked about it today. We practiced it in the morning on Saturday and they asked, so what, what do they look like? And I said, well, there's, you know, there's the mock meet based on the regional. And in that we're, you know, a few points behind there's the mock meet based on all season. And on that we're kind of dead even. And I said, guys, you've done everything I've asked you to do for years, right? Our four by eight guys, they've all run in the state meet in the four by eight, they're juniors and seniors. They've done everything I've asked them to do. And each of them that's different based on what they needed, certain limitations, availability, things like that. And I said, just do the best you can, see how you can do. But so much of this is outside of our control, our being the distance runners at Carmel High School. Me and then and then the guys that I coach or instruct. It's like, you know what might, you know what really could determine the the state championship is 
it may come down to Brownsburg and Carmel. That's what the numbers look like. But if it does, what might determine the state meet is how well sprinters from Park Tudor, Lawrence Central, and Warren Central run at the state meet. If they do really well, that could knock the sprinters from Brownsburg back, which would help us out. You only have control over how you do, and you, you don't really have that much control over that. You don't have complete control over that either. You have obviously a lot of influence to be. So just be prepared, do the best you can, and then at the end of the meet, let's see how it, let's see how it adds up. Yeah. And Ken did say, Coach Brown or the head coach at Carmel, before the regional, he was like, well, we'd like to get as many guys to the state meet as we can. And if we do that, then I'll sleep better on um, after the meet. And he goes, and I know, I know, you know, I know Colin will too, because I know both of us, we get hyped up and we have, you know, we're excited and we're anxious. We have trouble sleeping. I'll just say this. I'm probably going to be excited and anxious all week. Yeah. But I don't, I don't for, for a second, I don't for a day take this for granted because I do know that I'm fortunate to be in this position and to coach these kids and that there's the pressure and the stress of all of this that I want to make sure that I embrace because it's not a given and it's not and it's not forever. So I'm looking forward to the meet. But also, you know, there's a lot of things for me to think about and worry about. And do we run this kid in the four by eight? Because that may compromise him in the open eight. And what are we doing with all that? And all that's kind of decided, but still going to think about over the next six days. As you do when you have a team contender and you're trying to figure out what's best in the long term. The upside of stress. The upside, the use stress, as they uh, like to say. Well, you mentioned this team a lot, and this is the other team that has eight score. Well, uh, they're scoring in eight different events, and sometimes that's more. You've already said that. Sometimes more than one individual, but it's tied with Carmel for the most, scoring in eight events. With 62.4 points in my mock meet, which I'm I'm only breaking ties to an extent here. I mean, obviously, no one's going to score 0.4. It's highly unlikely no one scores 0.4 at the state meet. But 62.4 points, Brownsburg, right? It is, as you said earlier, their meet, and they control their destiny. That's 11 in the 100. That's 18 points. Oh, my God, in the 200. Five in the 1600, one in the 3200, 10 in the four by one, which I do feel, as you said earlier, is a lock. Eight in the four by four, uh, 4.4 in the pole vault, and five in shot for 62.4. Extra credit opportunities. Brownsburg is like the kid who has the A minus, but mom is not going to be happy with that. So dad says, no, Brownsburg is like the kid that has an A and is going crazy over a question that they got wrong on the test because it bumped them under a hundred percent. Under hundred. Okay. Well, maybe that's more accurate because here are their extra credit opportunities, right? Um, Brownsburg is scoring two on the regional performance list and the hundred, but They had two. A, that's what you're limited to in the sectional, unless, of course, you've got three that hit the standard. So it sounds like you're going to tell me they did. Well, funny you say that because they did. And then from there, they all have made the state meet. So they have one additional, so a third potential score in the 100. Mm. Um, It'd be here. crazy if they had that in more than one event, though. Nobody could do that. Nobody could do that, except for maybe Brownsburg. Oh, um, so they also have and we're just going to go in the order of the performance list. They've got one uh, outside of scoring position in the 400. 
They've got someone outside of scoring position in the 110s. They've got the same person in the 300 hurdles, a four by eight that is right outside of scoring, one in the shot that's right outside of scoring, and one in the disc that is outside of scoring. So they so have they have three in the shot, right? They have three boys that made it to the state meet in the shot, or just two make it. Um, I think only two from Browns. I know they had three in the regional. Yes, they have three shot putters who did make it. Um, so they are, yeah, they're they're right there. Um, but they yeah, it's three and then two in the shot for a total of five with a third thrower who's seated at thirteenth overall, um, who is a very close to scoring. He is about uh just under a foot away from that. So um, who knows what could happen there? But in terms of extra credit opportunities. They are a team that has uh, seven additional chances. I mean, it is staggering what Brownsburg is going to bring to this meet. And um, that's why they are the top team in the projections. Uh, but Colin, as a coach at Carmel and a team that is in the mix, you should know, you already know this, but it's reassuring to hear that um, they're actually not going to decide the state meet this year. I don't know, th- write this down. This might be fascinating for you. They're not going to decide the state meet this year off of the regional performance list. They're going to actually have the meet in Bloomington. Oh, thank God. The boys will be able to Oof. run and jump and throw. And yeah, then I was worried about all that. All of that's over at like 9.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, give or take. They are going to uh, – well, they'll do the Mental Attitude Award because I was dead first. And they'll come out with trophies and we'll know who the winner is. How about that? And we'll be updated on the scores. It goes along and it won't be a surprise at the end. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Unveil the scores an hour later. That is, uh, that's a shocker. What are you talking about there? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that uh, throughout the meet. They'll be there at the, uh, on the board for everybody, uh, the kids, the parents, the fans to see. And uh, Coach Dennis McNulty and I up in the booth will be sharing those scores as they come through. So those who are listening and watching at home. I don't. There's some talk on the message board too about, well, what's the best way to determine a team? Should there be whole team advancement? And, um, you know, I do have, and I put this on the board before I, I do have a way to do that, which would be top two teams advance from the sectional to the regional whole teams your whole team needs to advance to then score. And then we have individual advancement as well to score in the regional meet. And then the eight regional champions advance to score at the state meet. And if you're in that, you advance. If you're in that, you advance to the state meet. There, There is a way to do that, but it's so complicated and convoluted. It would never happen. I don't think there's any doubt that Brownsburg is the best track team this year. Yeah. Track and based field, on and track field. and field team. Correct. Yeah, Best track go. and field team. Give them some love. Yeah. Based on the number of entrants that they have into the state meet, which is 19 to our 10. And they're in 14 of the 16 events. Just staggering. But that's not how the state meet is scored. The yeah. state meet is determined by stars. And eventually what this will come down to is how the stars for each team can perform. And some of the teams are asking their stars to perform in two or three or four events. Yeah. And that will go a long way to determining that, but it's also the stars in, in one or just one of that. Um, 
and it sounds like it's it's going to be it's going to be relatively close. I think Brownsburg controls its own destiny. If they come through and score, you know, if they hold their seeds, it it seems like they're going to win because both teams have some opportunity to move up, but I think it's much more likely that each team scores fewer points than they're getting in this mock meet. Yeah, that's probably pretty fair. Things are a little bit different on that day. Um, but even then, the amount of cushion that Brownsburg has is phenomenal. So it is it is their meet, it is their destiny. We will see if they deliver. Um but if you go if you go based on the from what I've seen or what I've heard, and even yeah, I don't know that I made one myself, but I, I saw one today based on the season-long leaderboards and extracting the ones that won't be at state, that was within one point. Yeah. But to play a little – I mean, I understand why you would be hopeful for that, but we also Correct. established earlier that you feel it's the here and now that is more valuable to projecting an outcome rather than a season-long performance. So, so if, if you want – yeah, let's do that. Let's do devil's advocate here. If you want Brownsburg to win. Yeah. If, if you're not employed by Carmel Clay schools, basically. You're saying, look at the performance list. Look at all these. You added up. Brownsburg's got a 10-point cushion. That's pretty, that's but that's a pretty good amount. It's like 15% higher than Carmel. If you want Carmel to win, because you know, you're one of the two hosts of the Indiana runner podcast um, or your Ken Browner whose opinion means more to me than all of you that want Brownsburg to win. Um, <laughs> I guess you say season long, look at this Carmel's points, maybe a little more secure in these longer events. Yeah. And how much weight do we give to the sprint performances on that track with a tailwind in Lafayette? when everybody was running their best sprint. I, I guess that's what you say. But Browns, Brownsburg is in 14 of 16 events versus Carmel that is in, you know, eight of 16 events or nine of 16 events. So um, what a meet, potentially. What a meet. What a meet. How about that? I so lots to look forward to, a lot of excitement here for next Friday, less than one week away from the time we're recording this. So... 3 p.m. start time in Bloomington, beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, home of Indiana University, the Hoosiers right there. And we'll kick things off with discus and long jump and uh, high jump. And then we'll start rolling with the uh, uh, pole vault and and, and uh, four by eight shortly after. You know, a lot of the meat too, this would be you for, this would be for you and Mac to talk about. A lot of the meat, it won't be decided early, but it's going to take shape pretty early because Carmel in the disc, Carmel in the four by eight, and then Brownsburg in the Brownsburg in the hundred and two hundred prelims. You know, Brownsburg gets all three of their guys through in the prelims of the hundred, and their two guys are through in the two hundred, and then Carmel in the one ten hurdles and Brownsburg in the one ten hurdles. You know, Brownsburg gets all their guys through and Carmel gets none of their guys through like that takes shape pretty early. And yeah. then so it's early 
and it's late. Brownsburg seeded 1-2 in the 200. Carmel seeded 2-3 in the 3200. We could be looking at, okay, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just kind of no, no haymakers, just jabs. Suddenly Brownsburg throws a haymaker going 1-2 in the 200. Carmel responds, goes 1-2 in the 3200. And then the 4x4s are so close together. I mean, it came down to the last 50 meters last week. There's What is more exciting than this? Nothing. That's what you want to see. That's no, what I hope to, to me. See. It's more exciting when my team is by far the best team <laughs> and there's nothing to worry about heading into the state meet. That yeah, was two years fair. ago, sir. And we finished first and Brownsburg finished second. Now that's some exciting stuff that I can understand your perspective on that. But as a fan, I and think most people would disagree with observer, <laughs> I would love to see it come down to four by four with the final 50 meters. You, no, you don't. Meters. You don't want to see that because you get a direct deposit. I want to see it, but I want to see the hounds come out on top. <laughs> what more could you want then? Minor heart attack and win? Like, come on. I'm so. getting I'm older than you. I'm getting too old for this. Well, yeah, you look about 50 years older than me, apparently. So. <laughs> okay, well, you're 32, so I don't think I look 82. Well, I don't know. Yeah, ask ask the kids, man. Kids kids say the darnest things. I'm not gonna ask my kids. No, I would love to ask Solomon how old he thinks you are. How old is he? No, they always say like one year older than they are. They don't understand time. Time. Caroline took a couple unassisted steps yesterday. No big deal. Oh, that is a big deal. Good for her. She's nearing her first birthday here coming up. uh, Yeah, can't can't wait. Yeah, what's the party going to look like? What are we having? Uh, they have a joint birthday party because their their birthdays are only four days apart. So I don't know something at the something at the grandparents' house. Down on the south side, my wife went to Franklin Central. So, shout out! All right, man. Any awesome. uh, anything else before we uh, move on to another podcast? And we're gonna knock out the girls' preview tonight as well. Let's just dive in. It's already late. Let's knock it in. All right. Hey, thanks for coming on. Go hands. I love my guys. I love my little dudes. They my little guys. I love them.